Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Charity Stripe, the Daily Stripe. I'm your host, Alex Isopoulos, with Nikki Snacks Kreider. No Joshua Fisher today, unfortunately. But fortunately for him, he is going to the dentist to get some fillings and also um, to get some whitening on his teeth because he wants those guys to be pearly white, and we're excited to see what his new smile looks like after his trip to the dentist. Uh, Nick, because Josh is not here, he cannot uh, take a victory lap for the Red Sox beating the Padres in the series, but you guys got the best of them in the th- was a th- three-game series, right? Yep, three-game series. And y'all uh, finished it. Y'all finished it strong, which is great. We, we did, we did. We've been struggling really hard, but it, it's just kind of opportune timing when Josh – doesn't want to show up when his Celtics lose. That's the same thing last week, you know? Yeah. Um, He's oh, making a habit out of this. Off of, yeah, coming off a, a loss to the Padres on Sunday as well, get, getting shut out. So does he really need to go to the dentist? I mean, I haven't noticed any significant teeth issues out of Josh. and He's never really complained about his, his teeth before, but hey. you know, Probably because he's not going to the dentist, so there's nothing for them to say, hey, this is wrong. Assess. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Because, you know, whenever you go there, they're always like, oh, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. Like, which of these $700 things do you want to come back in for? Um, Right. No, but the Celtics, obviously, a disheartening loss for Celtics fans. I would say a team that looked confused, lost um, in their frustrations. Marcus Smart was on the court saying, we got you guys last year to Jimmy Butler. Like you're down 25 points. You're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Last year does not matter in this moment. That is not the time where you get to say, hey, you know, the the, the typical Clay Thompson, I'm going to point to my my four rings. Like, be in the moment. Try and win the game. Missoula, obviously, um, is having a tough time just wrangling in this locker room. You know, he said in the postgame that he has lost the locker room, which I think do not admit if you're the head coach of a team, especially when a series is not over. I know for all intents and purposes, it is because um, same thing in the Western Conference Finals, both teams, the Nuggets and the Heat are now up three, nothing. No team in NBA history uh, in the playoffs has come back from a 3-0 lead. So this would be an anomaly. Um, Who's more likely to do it? The Lakers, for sure, because they have played close games against this Nuggets team. Neither will do it. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers won one more game at the Crypto Center and then the series finished in Denver. But neither team will do it. Neither team will, will make history, and, and certainly not this Boston Celtics team, who uh, the, only, the only word to describe their performance, not only in the series, but more importantly last night, is pathetic. Yeah, This is ridiculous. No, no Celtics fan that I know is defending this team. They're not saying, oh, but but we can come back. We believe in this team. We want everything to stay the exact same going forward. They're broken right now. And unfortunately, the combination of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum once again has broken down mentally when the lights were brightest. So they have some serious looking in the mirror um, some self-reflection to to take care of. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a couple of guys on the trading block going into the offseason. Um, and and Missoula is, he's under a lot of pressure. 
I saw somewhere that a pundit who closely covers a team, I'm forgetting his name now, believes that he will be their head coach next season because of contract reasons and that his his guaranteed contract um, and the deal that they initially gave him was a long enough deal where they would have some serious financial um, repercussions if they ended up firing him in this offseason. But to me, it's worth it, and you have to move on and go get a guy who is uh, knows what he's doing, a veteran head coach. Yeah. Um, obviously not Doc Rivers, but any of the other guys <laughs> that are in the coaching carousel. Well, I don't know. Doc, Doc Rivers found success. That's the only team that he found success with in, in Boston. And yes, he had a much different roster than they have now. Yeah. It was a much different NBA at the time, but I mean, maybe there's a little magic in Boston for Doc. You never know. Yeah. I, I'd say no. I think I've seen enough from Doc in the last 10 years to to know that he's he's lost his step from a coaching yeah, standpoint. For sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a tough tough L here for, for all the Celtics fans and a lot of frustration, you know, magic Johnson came out and tweeted and he said, this is the, the least competitive and the least grit that I've seen a Celtics team display, um, in, in my time, not only playing against the Boston Celtics, but also watching the Boston Celtics. And a lot of people were like, well, you know, easy, easy for you to say, but also like, why are you saying that? Cause your team is also down three Oh, right. but the three Oh, like what, like you asked the question, the three Oh that the Lakers have put up is different than the, the Celtics going down to the Miami heat three Oh, a Miami heat team who won two games on the road in Boston, Miami heat team, who is the number eight seed coming into the playoffs. And you know, we, they keep bringing up the undrafted players. Like it's a criticism. And obviously it's, it's a criticism only in the sense of when you're comparing the two rosters against each other, um, it doesn't really matter that they were undrafted. They're in the NBA now. They're NBA yeah. rotational players. So what is it? What does it really matter? But more so in a reflection, if you're looking at the Boston Celtics personnel and you say, okay, they had the sixth man of the year. They had the defensive player of the year last year. Two All-NBA guys. One guy's an All-NBA first team. Um, you've got Al Horford, who's a multi-time All-Star. You've got, you know, yeah, it, this team, and then Derek White, um, Robert Williams, who a lot of people, you know, a couple years ago were considering him a defensive player of the year type candidate. And when he's on the court and when he's healthy, I completely agree with that sentiment. Derek White, who, if they didn't have Malcolm Brogdon, he might have been vying to be six man of the year award, um, or at least contending for that. So there's not a lot of excuses for this team. And Jalen Brown outside of Missoula, which I don't think is that interesting to anyone. The the most interesting thing for this team in the offseason will be what happens with Jalen Brown. Yeah. Because they are able to, as a team, offer him the Supermax. Um, but do you want to do that? Ties up your money into two guys who have shown, even at their young age, 26 and 24, that they are not able to get over the hump. Um, I so, still think they do know. it. You still think they do it? Yeah. I think they I think they keep the young core intact. Um, I mean, as much as we're ragging on the Celtics, I mean, this is just so incredible out of the heat and what Spolzer has been able to do. Yeah. I mean, he he truly is cementing himself as one of the greatest coaches in NBA history. Undoubtedly. Undo- I mean, it's it's been an incredible run by Jimmy Butler. It's not um, his first time doing it either. Like, you know, he obviously they've they've won the championship a couple of times with Dwayne Wade and with LeBron and Chris Bosh and D Wade got one on his own as well. But 
you know, the Heat got to the championship as well when they were not supposed to get there a couple years back. Right. And, you know, Jimmy Butler did his thing and we're sitting here and it's about the same thing's about to happen. And honestly, like if the Heat and the Nuggets are the two teams that advance, which, you know, high, high likelihood that's the chance. I think that it's going to be, I mean, Denver's going to be favored, obviously, but I think it's going to be like a very good series where maybe it goes six, seven games. I hope so. I I hope like after getting these conference finals matchups, when the first and second rounds of these NBA playoffs were really exciting, had a lot of great narratives, um, you know, the NBA is dying for it. Yeah. I need it. Yeah. I, this is an interesting tweet that I saw David Aldridge post. Pat Riley, you're talking about Eric Spolstra, and I want to give some credit to Pat Riley too, is one win away from his 19th appearance in an NBA Finals as a player, coach, or executive. That will mean that Pat Riley has either played in, coached in, or been his team's top decision maker in 24.7% of all the finals in NBA history. So almost Jeez. a quarter of the NBA Finals in history. Pat Riley has has been a part of. Um, so we want to talk about winning culture. The guy knows exactly what it takes to get there. And obviously, I think it's almost been a jest on on NBA Twitter and from NBA personalities previously that like we always talked about the heat culture. What does that mean? Like when you go play for the heat, it's different than playing for another organization. No longer can you make fun of the heat culture. The heat culture is very real. And it is so real that it has allowed this eight-seeded team to get what where they have gone and uh, against all odds. the Going into last night's game, the Celtics were still four-and-a-half-point favorites. Like, no one thought that the Heat they're, were going to win any be, of these games. They're going to be favored again in game four. Yeah, maybe not game five, but, but they'll be favored probably by like two-and-a-half points in game four. Yep. Talking about the Celtics and, and yeah, the Heat, yeah. the Heat obviously. Um, you look at the odds at betonline.ag, go there, use the promo code believe B L E A V. Um, they will uh match your your first deposit. The NBA championship odds at BetOnline right now, the Nuggets are minus 225, the Heat are plus 220. So, e- even in, in that circumstance, they are still not going to be the favorite team, which which is expected. Uh, at the beginning of the playoffs, before any playoff games had started, Jimmy Butler had 150 to one odds to be named Finals MVP. He's now plus 240. Jokic is minus 160. Um, I mean, if you're if you're the type of person that wants to make series bets for the finals and you want to make Finals MVP bets, time to make them now because yeah. the odds will swing slightly. Um, once these series actually finish in the conference finals, Jamal Murray is plus seven fifty, which I think is an interesting bet for Finals MVP. I feel like if the Nuggets are winning it, though, there's no one who's going to win it besides Jokic, right? I mean, he does it all. Yeah, I I would argue that Murray has been, at least from a media standpoint, like just as talked about in these conference finals. I mean, he had the thirty point quarter. He had the 23-point fourth quarter where he outscored LeBron and Anthony Davis um, in game two. He's averaging 30-plus points in this series. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things as well where Jokic could have won the regular season MVP, and so like it's one of those situations where he plays so well. and That gets like, lumped oh, whatever. Like, like Whatever, I didn't win the, the regular season MVP, but I got my ring and I got the 
the final the, uh, movie. the finals of the movie exactly yeah um so i mean i mean look they gotta win it jimmy butler has been playing out of his mind i mean i think in my my eyes he's the playoff mvp so far but i saw i mean we've seen this for for a couple of years now a lot of conspiracies that jimmy butler is in fact michael jordan's son um and i think someone put like a meme up of them side by side bald and honestly it's pretty damning they they look pretty similar you know they play a similar style of ball i mean obviously mike's the goat but um jimmy's dad left him as an infant so doesn't know who his father is so there is yeah. a little sliver of belief i don't I mean there. his dad's not his dad's not michael jordan but wouldn't that be he, crazy though it would be it would be um think about it i mean jimmy was born in 1989 in houston around that time michael jordan was starting his nba career you know a couple years in um you know young guy on the road playing in houston maybe against the rockets yeah meets a meets a lovely long no there's a there's a conspiracy theory to be made for sure passes down his genes i mean michael's listed as six six jimmy's listed as six seven Jimmy played for the Bulls. I know it has nothing to do with who your father is, but right. started to screw with the Bulls. Now you're just having I mean, fun with it. Yeah. It's yeah. it's all just too uh too good to be true. You know, the story just adds up so perfectly. Yeah. Uh I don't I mean, I don't <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna go out there and say that I believe that that's true, but I think it's a really fun conspiracy. And I think that he's certainly playing Jordan esque in this run. Um no other eight seed has made the finals besides the 99 Knicks. Uh, John from New York sent Josh and I a, an animated text correcting us because we had said, you know, oh, this is the first eight seed to make the NBA finals. That was an abridged season. It was shorter uh, because of the lockout. But they did make that, um, that finals. They actually beat a Pat Riley coached Heat team to get there, I think. Um, I think that's true. So this is historical in its own right once they cement this, uh, this conference finals victory against the Celtics and move on. You're talking about, uh, talking about basketball. We're talking about legacy, talking about fathers. Um, a NBA great, one of the best NBA players in our lifetime, retired today. Carmelo Anthony put out a video that he was retiring. And, and basically, at the end of the video, the last 30 seconds of it, were him saying to his son, hey, my legacy is now yours to take on, and I will be there every step of the way to, to root you on, and I'm proud of you. Um, he kind of turned a retirement video into like, oh, I son? love... His son is... I'll, I'll have to look that up. He's in high school, I think. He might even be younger than that. Hmm. Uh, he is... I'll, I'll have to look it up. But his son was like featured in the video heavily, um, really well produced video. The beginning of the video started on like a TV and then they zoomed into the TV. It almost reminded me of that video we made for Deshaun Jackson and his podcast way back when, uh, when he had started up with believe a couple years ago, Keon Anthony, uh, I can't, I'm, I'm not, not able to figure it out, but he's in, he's in, he's a 2025 high school basketball prospect. So got it. He's he's in like the really formative part of his high school, high school basketball years, experience yeah. where he kind of solidifies what type of prospect he's going to be. And then, of course, he'll have the decision. Does he want to go to Syracuse like his dad did? Does he want to go to um, straight to the G 
and, and try and go that route, like Scoot Henderson, who will be drafted this season. But I, uh, I, I loved Carmelo Anthony. I, I thought the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that he was retiring, and I think very expected by a lot of people, but he's one of the best scorers that we got to see in our lifetime. Obviously played a lot for the Knicks, for the Nuggets, and then a, a myriad of other teams, including the Lakers, where he got his ring in the bubble. Um, also the Rockets. Were you, and did you have friends like when we were growing up? Because he was in that t- 2003 draft class with LeBron and, and D-Wade. I felt like at the time, and obviously I, I've, I've been a basketball fan, and that was my, my first love from a sporting standpoint when I was young, that there was a decision that had to be made as a fan, as a kid. With that 2003 draft class, my best friend was a LeBron James fan. And I was like, well, I don't want to have the same favorite player outside of Dirk, of course, because he plays for the Mavericks. I don't want to have the same favorite player as my best friend. I want to have my own guy that I root for and I kind of take pride in. And for me, it was I, I picked Melo, and I think a lot of it had to do with because he won with Syracuse, and I loved those the orange jerseys. Um, I loved the I, I loved his braids. I thought they were super cool. I just thought he was really swaggy. Yeah. That's why, and I, I ended up wearing 15 for a while um, when I was like, you know, from seven to 10 years old. But I always felt like we had a decision to, to make where it was, you were, the, you were either a Wade guy, a LeBron guy, or a Mellow guy. And obviously if you picked LeBron and, and that's where you put your stock in, you ended up, you know, with the biggest ticket at the end. But did you, did you feel that way or, or not really? Not really. I think everyone was a LeBron fan for the most part, but I think the people who, like you know took the swag factor into account i think wanted to be mellow fans as well so i mean like i i liked mellow a lot growing up um just because of the swag factor like you were saying but i don't think you really have to pick because especially in texas where i where i like really grew up um bass like the nba wasn't that like big of a sport for us like it was football college football baseball um, and then the kids who decided to, you know, play 2K and, you know, follow basketball on their own did that. Yeah. But well, 2K wasn't even really a thing back then. Right, right, right. Well, yeah. like in high school. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, but awesome. He deserves all the praise. Excited to see what Keon Anthony can do. Um, you know, I, his, his successor in, in the Anthony family, of course, and bring up the word successor. Can't say that without thinking about succession. Episode nine. This show is cl- slowly coming to a close. Only one more left. I'm a bit sad about it. I, I oh for sure. I saw episode nine. And I was like, dang, we're we're already this far into the season. It's right. kind of a bummer because I don't want it to be over. Yeah, I mean, I. It's crazy because I feel like there's so much more they can do with the show, and how they're going to fit it all in one episode. They're probably not. You're probably going to be left with a lot of questions when the, when it's yeah. all over. Hopefully not, but there's just so much more. Um, you know, HBO is known to make spinoffs and they're, they've known to, you know, go into deeper dives into other shows and, and bring them back to life as they did with Game of Thrones. Um, so we'll see what happens when it's all said and done. We got one more left, but I'm pretty happy with how every single episode has gone thus far this season. I think yeah, that same. they've done a great job of kind of picking one set or one event and sticking with it for the entire episode. Like this last one's the funeral episode. You know, the one before that is the election episode. You know, you've got the the um, uh, Connor's 
uh, wedding. W- wedding episode, you know, and which, like, which is really the death episode. Yeah, exactly. But like that, like it's like one event that happens over, you know, an hour or a couple hours, you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than in seasons prior where you're watching an episode that could literally be a couple months. Right. I think it's a really smart thing to do just from like a storytelling standpoint where for sure have kind of one main focal point of an event for the episode and and then make it not about that right Right. although i think this episode was really about the funeral for Mm -hmm. a lot of reasons especially for roman and what the speech was supposed to be and they did a really great job of showing you like what the speech was going to be when he first woke up in the morning and then obviously when he when he got to the the pulpit you know he overwhelmed with emotion and you kind of had a feeling that they had kind of sprinkled this in where he was like it really hit him hard in the episode where Logan died, where he didn't even believe that he was dead. And he was like, no, he's still coming back. Mm-hmm. And then the next episode where they were at the wake, he was like over it. He was yeah. already like past it or he was pretending that he was past it. And I think that's just the reality of the over, uh, overwhelming amount of emotions when someone really close to you passes, um, that it comes in waves and at times it's too much to bear. And other times you feel like it's a normal day. Um, but I thought that was, I, f- I felt for him in that moment. And he had kind of been like, he'd been a prick the entire episode. Like he had really been like full speed ahead, tons of like inappropriate sexual jokes from him. And you really felt like he was on cloud nine. And then all of a sudden it just like completely did Unraveled. a 180. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think they did a great job. The acting in this this season has been phenomenal, as we already knew yeah. when you started watching the show. But yeah, I mean, it every single moment has been so juicy, and from every single character too. It's not even just the main characters; it's not just the Roy's. Like right. every supporting actor and character has their moment, and seizes their moment too. It's, they crush it. Like we, we, you and I talked about Jess right Kendall's assistant and how yeah. she has very few lines and very few few words and scenes but what she just does with her face like her her reactions yeah. and her emotions like really like great performance and you saw a little bit of that in this last episode this was her biggest scene for sure that she yeah, had 100% and i think even the one before that too in the election as well like she had a moment with Greg, with Greg yeah. which was like super powerful i think um because i feel like Jess is is kind of like us watching yep. For sure. Like she's one of those people. Like she's a normal person. You know, she doesn't come from, I mean, we don't really know her background. They don't really tell us, but like, she seems like she doesn't come from money. She doesn't come from that style of uh, a family. Right. And she's kind of like a regular person, kind of just a bystander. Just well, looking I at mean, her. and even in the context that we get from her conversation in this episode with Kendall, with yeah. Kendall it's where he's like, where, where else are you going to get this access? Like you're right. not going to. And she's at the point where clearly her her political, political alignment does not match, you know, what Mencken believes in. Well, I don't think a lot of people <laughs> seem to, to agree with the sentiments of, of Mencken, at least that we meet in this show. Um, but that's a huge factor. And she's just kind of at the point um, where she's, she's done with it and she wants to try something else. And I think they do this really great job. Jesse Armstrong does of bringing in a really, like real moment that people go through in their everyday lives where they have to go to their boss and say, Hey, this isn't where I want to be anymore. 
and then they succession it and they just like add this crazy spin. And like now it's in the circumstances of, of being in the world of this massive media conglomerate. Um, a lot of people have had that conversation where they're like, Hey, this just isn't the place for me. And a lot of times the boss is either like, okay, that's fine. Go your way. Or they're like, no, you need to stay or they're Kendall and they are an absolute child and throw a tantrum about it. And then at the very end of the episode, throw it back in her face as she's like walking by him when he's saying goodbye to everyone at the, at the funeral where he kind of like gave her one more look. And I was like, Oh, that was, that was nice. Like, yeah, I think he just might have to be back. Might have, I, I, might I think have. I think he did, did a pretty uh, a pretty big 180 that episode. You know, he started off super frantic with his kids, you know, leaving the city, and then um, you know, obviously he has that moment with Jess, and then when Roman falls apart, he goes on stage or you know, and and then tells. Yeah, did him. he did he out of ten? Like how? What would you rate that performance of his speech? It was a little like at the beginning, all over the place. It, no, but yeah, that's kind of how he talks, though. You know, and so like sure, but he, but he put it together. I think it was a little bit theatrical for a little bit too. And you were kind of just like, it's a little corny, but I think he really kind of captured it a little bit and people really it, got it. It's one of those it. where it's like, I'm not really sure what he said, but he said something and he looked decent while he was saying it. So maybe this yeah. guy can be CEO. Right. And that's clearly what that was, right? All three yeah. of the the uh, heirs got a chance to get on stage and, and tell their, their dad's story. And Roman botched it. His emotions got the best of him. And Shiv didn't Shiv, make any sense. It. She, she botched, botched it as well. Kendall was the only one. And so I'm looking, I'm like putting my head into like, what would Logan think? Like, what would he want? You know? And he'd be most proud of Kendall. Cause it's always like, Oh, my son's not emotional or he's not yeah. strong enough or he's too emotional or this one's not, doesn't have the balls to do that. And so like, if you're looking at that as like an audition, you know, this is the last chance to to say something about dad. Kendall for sure won that. And then, you know, at the end when he's shaking hands with everyone, you know, Mankin and Madsen, they all, they're all giving him respect. Um, but I think the, the thing that he's most like Logan is his interactions with Hugo. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, the, mo- that's the most akin to Logan that, uh, that, he, that Kendall ever is, is when he's behind the weeds and he is do and he's not Corn in front strings. of the spotlight because Brian Cox it, and look like in the spotlight he would have been better than all three of them if he were giving that same speech yeah of right course. and I actually think Confident. if he had watched all three of them he would have been like eh, y'all y'all aren't serious people he would have said the same thing like I love you but you're all fuck ups basically right but but what he really respected I feel like always from Kendall was. He does what it, he's he's willing to do what it takes, and he's yeah. willing to be ruthless. And Kendall clearly, Shiv over the last two episodes continues to slight him and to con- continues to go against the family, and and outwardly is saying different things to her brothers than what she's saying behind closed doors, and and you know working on these things with Matson. Um, so we're at a point here where it's the Roy boys versus Shivy Shiv, and this last episode, and and we will see. What happens? My my thought is that neither will win. Um, neither parties are going to end up winning, because I think Matson has something at play here with Menken, where the domestic CEO is not going to be any Roy child, but someone else right. instead. Right. Yeah. And th- they're all being they're all being used. I mean, at least yeah. at least Shiv is being used by Matson, because now at this point, Kendall and Roman are just doing their own thing for their own, and they kind of were used by Menken a little bit. Um, yep. because they haven't technically gotten what they want for, right. you know, helping them out. But 
yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I think Kendall will probably come up victorious. I think that honestly, like it's the Roy boys, but it's really just Kendall. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to, the Mencken thing is really interesting because he has that conversation in the last episode where Roman went to his camp, wherever he was. And he was very much like, you know, I got to start prepping my speech. I'm not going to win. I'm going to lose. But he was so calm when he was saying that where I was like, what is going on with this guy? He was like, oh, I'm just looking ahead to the next election because I'm going to lose this one and it's no big deal. But you're right. He was just puppet mastering Roman the entire time and got exactly what he needed from him and ATN and Tom. Uh, I did enjoy the moment with with Tom and Shiv. Like, I'm weirdly rooting for them. Like, I... I, I I want I want the baby to, I want the baby to like to work. I thought it was redeeming and it was sweet that like Tom and, and her are, are they had a moment in this one where it wasn't so mean and respiteful towards each other. Maybe I'm not rooting for them, but I I did appreciate that moment. It was a it was nice yeah. to see Tom get some love because I feel like he had just been kind of pulled around like a like a rag doll for the last like three episodes or really since logan had, had all passed. season what do you mean <laughs> yeah it's true she's she's put him through the to the blender yeah what'd you think of you in speech i thought that was awesome yeah that was great yeah he's a that great guy's actor, just a, yeah. he's just a beast actor and they were just like hey show up and give an awesome eulogy and then just yeah. go on your way i think i think my my favorite moments were uh, the speeches were great but when Greg was like, "Wait, you want me to take his legs out?" Like, I just, like come <laughs> yeah. out there, and then Hugo saying "woof woof." Of woof course, woof was, like, yeah, it was epic. Yeah, epic. And Hugo then, Greg. and then, and then when they showed the uh, the mausoleum, and like, there's extra spots, and they're like, "Oh, what do you guys? You guys want to move in?" Connor was and, like, and, "I'll and take top bunk." Goes, I'll take the top bunk. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I have to ask Willa, <laughs> like, as if she's gonna want to be buried there. I've really enjoyed like in this last season, the moments where Connor like interjects himself with a little more confidence being boosted by Willa and Willa's like next to him being like, yeah, and yeah, Con wanted lady. to say this, this, and this yeah. and in her, in his speech. I thought is that those moments have been really, really funny. Oh yeah. Uh, also when all the guys are just bombarding Mankin, when, when, uh, Kendall's trying to talk to them and it's like, first it's Greg, then it's Roman, then it's Connor. And then Shiv comes in and, yeah. Why did you think Roman ran out to the protest like and kind of got out there? Obviously, I think he wanted to it was overwhelming well, to be I in his face. Blow, blow up steam. Yeah. He got punched in the face basically. Yeah. Good. He's he's having a tough time. Yeah. I mean, just shows you that he's the baby. I think yeah. that's like kind of like the the big overarching theme here is that Roman's the baby of the family and he's acting like the baby. Um, because I think this entire show, look, they did do their casting the right way. You know, like they, they take into consideration that Kieran Culkin doesn't necessarily look like he's a 40 year old. CEO. Like he's probably, I don't, I don't know how old they say he is. Cause I think Kendall has his 40th birthday. Right. So he's probably like, probably 30. like 35. He's probably a little older than that. Right. I don't know. 33 but like, maybe. But like, do you buy the fact that he's like anywhere over 35 you know what i mean like we're talking about uh, 35 year olds that's i mean we're, we're sitting here at 28 like we're friends with people who are like 35 you know what i mean like it's it's those people yeah. aren't necessarily ready to take over a, a company as a ceo yeah i guess i thought he was like 36 but not like 39 
either way, he's not ready to be a CEO of like the biggest media no, company. I know, but I'm just like, it goes to show that like, I think they're really trying to paint him as like the baby here. For uh, sure. And in, is, and is in, actually 40 in real life. Right. In an environment where, look, your dad died. You're allowed to cry. You're allowed to break down for sure. But unfortunately, the family that he lives in, they're broadcasting his father's funeral. And it's important for like stockholders in their company and the board. And he is one of the co-CEOs of the company. So it's one of those situations where it's like what his response was, was completely human and natural, but all of the implications of everything else that's at play in this show, um, take advantage of a moment of, of humanness from him. Yeah. And then you, you even see Jerry and Carl and Frank like playing the video out loud afterwards. <laughs> and it's like already been memed. That was pretty um, funny. Yeah, it was definitely funny. And it was, you know, Jerry of course was kind of like turned that off. So interested to see if there's some sort of, you know, them kind of coming back together in the right. last episode of things don't work out Roman's way. And at least like burying the hatchet a little bit and, being friends again yeah shiv, shiv uh the actress who plays shiv sarah snook is the youngest of the three how old is she she's 35 and roman is 40 and jeremy strong who plays kendall is 44 yeah yeah he's like fully gray in real life yeah yeah when i'm when i met him he was he was gray gray oh that's right you so met him recently they, they, they dye his hair very well yeah yeah all right. Well, uh, or she's she must be actually pregnant because I think I'm looking at these pictures of her like on the succession red carpet and she's got like the the baby bump, little baby bump. Yeah. Good luck to that kid. <laughs> Good luck to uh, all the remaining competitors for the Roy Star Waco sweepstakes. We're excited to watch the season finale. I have the utmost faith that it's going to deliver. And this show will be solidified as one of the greatest shows of all time for a lot for of people. Sure. The for a lot of people, the greatest show of all time. Do you think and, that? I mean, obviously they've had such a great season, but do you think that there's so much pressure riding on the last episode, kind of how Game of Thrones ended things? I mean, look, you and I both rewatched Game of Thrones recently, and it's not as bad as people made it out to be. Having rewatched it, you know, bing- binging yeah. it, I think like. There are some moments that obviously you're like, I know that's coming and I wish it's not coming, but it it just doesn't have any of the like best episodes of television that the other seasons have. Right. Like you like season six and season five and season four, there are like some of the best episodes of television, of TV. And a lot of them are episode seven through ten of that of that season. Right. right? Like so I think that And I think Game of Thrones blew their load on the second episode when you know, the Night King goes down when they could have dragged that out to the end, which I didn't even think was like an, it's not even like a top five episode for me, probably. Of Game it's of intense, Thrones. but it's just like completely dark the entire time. And it's just a battle. Yeah. I mean, it's a good episode, but it's not like, like there's just so many amazing moments. And I think that for me, in a way, this, this season of succession has all blended together because it's all been so good. Right. Every so episode. There's, so there's delivered. no pressure. It doesn't feel like there is, but I will say I completely agree with you. And we're often in positions like this when we're watching a show that everyone likes, just like in in culture, loves like a show like this where 
there's a lot to get done in this episode. There's right. a lot to get done. Right. We're just so accustomed in season to seeing things happen that way where it's like, all right, like you better close every single loop. You better, right. you better hit it hard. There better be a ton of explosions. And I think it, I, I, when you're watching the preview for next week, I think they've shown that there's a lot of different things that um, are going to kind of blow up and seems like it's very chaotic, you know, which is all the reactions of the actors like screaming and stuff. I mean, yeah. So I will say the last thing before we hop off, but I did, I loved, uh, <laughs> I loved Caroline bringing Carrie up to the front to sit with Marsha. That was that, amazing. That was hilarious. And, and then the uh, other and chick was like, Oh, that was my Caroline when Rowan was, that was my Carrie. Yeah. My Carrie. Yeah. yeah. And Carrie like starts crying and Marsha, you know, that was a good was, moment. It was a great, it was really, it was a beautiful moment. And yeah, good acting. I think it, I think it represented, like every single person's relationship with Logan, like he was still so much a part of this episode. And it's just a testament to the character that Brian Cox built because we all know people like this where you you know the person and you get to know them really well and you're you consider them incredibly close and they consider you incredibly close, but you never really you still don't know who they are. Like you still you still don't know what what's going on in their head, and I think for everyone, maybe except for Ewan, none of them really knew Logan, like knew what he was thinking in every moment. Right. It's also nice that we finally got some clarity on the whole Rose issue. There, there, there's a uh, his little sister yep. who ended up passing away. Yeah. So now that we know that he, they believed he brought polio to her. Right. Which when is like something that we were like, what is what's the Rose thing? That was like in season two or season three. Yeah. Yeah. I think also maybe in like one of his kind of fever dreams when he was sick, did he talk about Rose too? Like it, it came up a few times throughout the show. Yeah. But you never knew exactly what it was. Exactly. Yeah. Well, can't wait for uh, the season finale. We went a little over time, but we love talking about succession. We will be back tomorrow with, with Josh and uh, his chip Skylark esque smile, his shiny, his shiny new teeth. And uh, until then hit your free throws. Cause they free. We out you. We love you. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.